Okay. Hey guys, we know that you haven't seen or heard from us for ages. Um, this is Two Girls in a Mic. My name's She Talks. I have my podcasting beautiful partner, Lala. And we're bringing you our very first, our very first Corona show. So, um, you know, we kind of do apologize that it's taken us a while to get one out in Corona, but actually there's very good reason because mm. obviously we um, had to adjust as everyone else did with what's been going on with this pandemic. And, you know, sometimes you have to conserve your energy wherever you can. And sometimes when you're too busy people like myself and La are, sometimes, um, sometimes you don't have that much to give. And I just felt like that was definitely the space that I was in. Mm. Um, and, um, but we've, we've regrouped and here we are with our very first um, Corona Chronicle. Um, <laughs> we might even call this season the Corona season, depending on how many um, episodes that we do um, of it at this time but la yeah babe what are we talking hi, about i'm sorry i didn't even introduce myself hi Honestly. i'm just sitting here i know it's rude of me hello everybody as she said it's been a while so i personally am happy to be back because i've got a lot to say a lot to say but um this is the show to do it so i'm happy to be back and recording and speaking to you guys i hope you enjoy the show amen so first subject up and it's gonna be a heavy one and if you know uh today's date it's the 4th of june 2020 the year that is 2020 um how much madness have we seen happen in this year so much but mm. one of the um defining points as i said in one of my posts on um Instagram and Facebook of, of, of 2020 for me will be 2020 is the year I saw uh, an officer of the state in America kill um, an um, unarmed civilian before my very eyes, casually, callously, in front of a crowd and on camera. And of course, we're talking about the killing in... Um, Minneapolis of George Floyd and some people might say oh well actually that's not the first time that has happened what like have you been under a rock or something and the point that I'm making when I say it's the first time I, I saw it is because in all of the previous instances and there have unfortunately been so many of um, unarmed black men and women meeting their deaths at the hands of police officers in the United States or people who have wanted to take on the role of so-called law enforcement in the United States. One of the things that I've always, I've always managed to do is avoid the videos because I've been protecting my own peace because I know of the effect that it will have on me. And what happened with the, um, the George Floyd one was that I watched a couple of minutes because I, di I, I didn't have my wits as to about how it was gonna transpire. 
So mm. I was literally watching, I don't even think it was a couple of minutes. I think it may have been really about 30 seconds. But then when I saw what was happening, when people in the background watching were saying, he can't breathe, you're on his neck. I, I knew enough to know I don't want to see any more. Mm. Um, but the end result of that, that scene was that George Floyd, um, a man who had everything to live for, um, was killed by a police officer and his police officer mates who did nothing to help him. So we're going to talk about that first. Um, yeah. Like, as you, you, you said, because we talked about, obviously, what we're going to talk about first. And the question being, when is it going to end? When is it going to end? And the protests that are happening now, like across the US and even here in um, the United Kingdom, and also I heard that there are some in Germany, some in Paris, things like that. All oh, over. Yeah. All over. And really all over the states as well. Yeah. All, they, the 50s, all 50 states in America? Yeah. Apparently they've all had protests. Are, are these protests, as vociferous as they've been, are these protests going to be the ones that will make a change? What do you think? Oh, I think I I think there's something very different about this particular case. As you said earlier on, you know, we've 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 seen loads of videos where people's lives have been snuffed out by heavy-handed police officers in the state. So th this is this this case isn't unique in that sense. But um I think what where it is unique is and I've been playing this over in my mind since actually watching the video. And what I think kind of struck a, a nerve across the, across the world is, one, you have to remember, we're all in lockdown right now. So there's a specific group of people who are now having to watch what we all know to, to be something that's quite common amongst African-Americans and the police. And the, the group of people I'm talking about are like white people who you know, historically have been able to kind of like sidestep over what we can't sidestep over in terms of police brutality. They've had to watch it because they they've been in their homes in front of their TVs, in front of their phones and laptops and things. And then the second thing that makes this quite unique is that the actual video footage, for me, I, I, I kind of thought to myself, the proximity between the person who was actually filming and between them and George and the police officer was so up close and personal, you felt like you was actually there. Mm. Because if you compare it to the Ahmad um, Aubrey case, which, you know, again, wasn't that long ago before George had, uh, had passed away, we saw, we actually saw him shot, but the video wasn't as I clear. I didn't watch that. I didn't watch yeah. that. Ever. Right, so it wasn't as clear. It was from a distance. You saw him running and then you, you, you kind of saw you heard the shots and then you saw his body basically fall. With this one, it felt like you were actually there on the sidewalk watching it. You're hearing everybody begging for this police officer to kind of ease his foot off of his neck. You know, Me. you're being told by civilians that he's not responding, but yet 
you could see in the police officer's eyes, and this is where I, I'm talking about the proximity, that there was just like this determination of like, how dare you tell me what to do? And as he's being told, you could see his determination to press his knee down even more. It's, and then as he's doing that, you can see, you could literally see the life just slipping away from George. And it, it got to the point where, um, obviously he started to, you know, not only was he saying that he can't breathe, you know, he started to call for his mum. So a lot of people are saying that, that that was his part point, at, that was at the point where he was kind of transitioning. So I think this is where this kind of case really differs because now it's like, it was properly in your face. And if you watched it from beginning to end, that is something I, I'm never going to forget for the rest of my life. And like I said, like at this point, I, I should be desensitized to this because I've seen, I've seen videos like this before. I've heard stories like this before, but that one thing I was like, oh my God, in big, big 2020, the hate that that man had for George in that moment, it, it was so, you, you felt it, Shares, you felt it. It just went through you. And I think that's, that's what's kind of transpired across the world, which is why now we're seeing all of these protests all over the world, all over America, just everywhere, because people are so disgusted that this country that's supposed to be, you know, the free world and is supposed to be the leader in like democracy and, and, and fair play and, you know, did that to a civilian, one of their own. The only difference is, now it's actually been illustrated the point that African-Americans have been saying, not for decades, for centuries, that white supremacy, this is it in its entirety, has actually been illustrated to you. So I think off of the back of that, you know, I think there's definitely going to be some sort of shift, some sort of major change. I, I, I don't know how long that's going to last, whether or not there's going to be a continuum of it. But right now, the immediate change, I can, I'm starting to see it happening whereas before even with the Ahmaud Aubrey with um, Breonna Taylor it was just like another person dying another person dying but I think with this particular case and actually I'm going to take that back I think with um, Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor because they were in literally close back to back before George I think that was probably the starting point it's like hang on a minute you're just knocking us off one by one by one what the thing is they're um where when it reached the consciousness it was because i think brianna taylor's case and mm. brianna taylor is was a um young woman who was asleep in her address with her partner and the police came to um apparently look for a um a named known person that they were looking for it was the wrong address they had mm. that person in custody and based upon the sort of warrant they had, they burst into the house. It was called a no-knock warrant. So they forced entry into the house. And so her partner, who was there, shot out, thinking it's a home invasion. Um, and they emptied 20 shots into the house. And eight of those mm. bullets um, killed Breonna Taylor. And none of those police officers are, have been arrested at all. That's just, in fact, the only person that was arrested was the, um, the boyfriend, boyfriend. Yeah. was arrested and um, charged with attempted murder and uh, aggravated assault. 
And only when the case came to sort of more and more attention were those charges dropped quite recently. And so the point I was making is that, in fact, those cases weren't, they were close, but not so close together, but they were hitting the news at the same kind of time. So there was mm. already this onslaught. It, there was already this, this high fever. There was already this high mm. tension. And I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think George Floyd's case came at a time to be, you know, not just compounding everything that's been going on because, and when I say everything, I mean as well the fact that um, in both here and in the, U in the US, black people are dying at disproportionate rates from COVID. So there's yeah. all that fear amongst mm. us and there's already that manifestation of structural and historical racism which has caused that so we're already dealing with that and then there's this and I think you're right I think it's just I think it's lit a fuse and I, mm. you know your description is is as I've read and as I've understood of um George Floyd's death and mm. I think one of the things that made it and make it all the more sinister. Yes, as you said, because I hear people talking about that close proximity that people mm. to it. But also, you know, the tick box, the, the blame tick box, that's yes. there, the non-compliance, the, the officer being in fear because mm. maybe the man or the woman reached for something, you know, reached for their license. I thought they were reaching for a gun ran somewhere i thought they may be running toward a weapon you know move their hand in a quick way i i expected them to attack me all of those those tick boxes of, mm. of features that usually are trotted out to sort of almost try to justify what an officer or officers have done in some of these previous cases they were all missing there was no toy gun there was no hoodie there was no uh, um, um, resistance. He, he's, he's on the floor. He's being mm. held down. And what we don't see on, the, on that video, apparently there was another police officer behind the car, sat on his back. Three, three officers. On, yeah, and another mm. one sat on his legs. Mm. So, and I think, but I think you're absolutely right. I think that visual... Mm. That knowledge, the lack of those opportunities to try to scapegoat the victim as being the cause of his own death, mm. and this current time that we're in, giving everybody more time to just actually to see these things, I think that has been the thing that's lit the fuse. Mm, mm. Really, really it's like do. you're seeing it now. All of these things that we've been saying for decades, centuries, like like there must be thousands of stories just like that that we haven't seen that haven't been filmed yeah so that's the that's the scariest part how many do we not know about how many george floyds have died yeah that's in the that, states you're absolutely right that is the scary thing and and also you know one of the things that i hear people talking about when they're talking about this particular case when they are kind of not really behind what's going on is they say and it's just kind of what what you've just said you know um happening in the states but we have to remember it happens here as well 
Right. You no, know, if people, <clears throat> if if you say to, to to people from Northwest London, Marlon Downs, they'll ask mm. you. That, you know, they know about that death at Halston Police Station. If you mm. talk to people who've watched, there's a film that I watched years ago that I found so impactful. It was called Injustice, mm. and it um, effectively spoke about all the ha all the deaths at the hands of police officers or custodial officers um, in the UK and they were black men um, who had died and the circumstances and facts surrounding their death and it was it was it was almost invariably mistreatment um, and you know racist racist behavior effectively um, no no convictions have followed from right. it but it happens here you speak to mm. people from South London and you say the name Sean Riggs and you mm. know his sister Marcia Riggs who, who, who yeah. speaks out and who, who talked about her, her brother who had mental health difficulties and the way he was handled by the police and the way he was just left on the floor to just die. And mm. there's, been no, there's been no redress to that family and countless other black families over here. So even though mm. people talk about this particular case and it has mm. lit the fuse as I say and people sometimes want to try and detract and say well what's it got to do with the UK the UK have got the same issue mm. because even if we didn't have the same number of deaths what we still have is structural and institutionalized racism, racism. which means yeah. that black people tend to have adverse and um, adverse outcomes at the hands of the institutions of this state meaning mm -hmm. the healthcare system the, the education system the police force the criminal justice system is it by accident that we have mm -hmm. disproportionately bad adverse negative outcomes at the hands mm -hmm. of the institutions it's not it's not it's not it's really interesting to me this this argument or this kind of distancing that the united kingdom likes to do when it comes to talking about race and they're like oh well at least it's not as bad here as it is in america and it's like this is how you know that the history books are just full of crap and the the, the things that we've learned in school in regards to history is, is a bag of nonsense and if they were to change the curriculum and actually actually teach world history and the 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 um the role that britain had to play in kind of you know creating creating world history and kind of actually being very much you know the architects of of how um certain things are today mm. um for instance you know, people forget that America was once a British colony, you know, that, that saying, you know, the British are coming, the British are coming. Remember at one point they were at loggerheads because Britain, not only did they bring over small, more, smallpox to, to kill off the native Americans and they actually brought over their brand of racism. Mm -hmm. So this, this, this disconnect that they like to conveniently do, it's like, actually, no, you actually brought that over there. And a lot of the laws and, um, a lot of the laws that they have over there as well are very much designed off of the back of kind of British law and Brit British rule and people forget about that as well so it's like the link is there like you know we have a huge role to play not when I when I say we I'm talking about the United Kingdom have a huge role to play in how countries have kind of how they are today and how systemic racism was actually designed and built. It was built and designed by old white men who used it 
for, for, for to, you know, to create wealth, to create generational wealth. And they used it so that they can stay at the top and everybody else underneath that can actually stay at the very, very bottom. Yeah. And it's been hugely affected effective because look where we are today how many hundreds of years later yeah i know know, there's sorry there's there's a reason as to why they teach um because when i was in school we learned about world war one world war two henry the eighth and his wives and we learned about big subjects yeah the slave trade and um and um, what's it? The, the civil rights movement, and it's interesting to me because um, you know Marianne Marsh. She was saying some rights movement. Yeah, she was like, it's interesting that they teach those two particular times in um, in history because I'm not too sure if in America they teach um, anything to do with like Black British his- history, and you know the 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 British involvement in kind of just how their country is today mm-hmm. um and also as well when you're teaching that over here what you're actually trying to say is that you know black people were just slaves and then that's that and then american people are so evil that they you know they 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 wouldn't allow their uh, you know their own black people any kind of rights during the 60s that's why the civil rights movement happened so yeah. it's like so it, it makes it seem- in these compartmentalized boxes yeah. yeah so it makes it seem like you know look how bad those americans are what do what do so but while you're teaching us the badness of america what about what about the badness that you lot have done because mm. there's many different laws that you do why don't you teach about the sus laws mm. why about that mm. you know what about post history, post um, pre slavery? Why don't you teach about that? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really funny you say, you know, pre slavery and things like that because w- one of the other um, markers of of like, oh, we don't support what's going on is when people now want to say, oh, well, look, these people aren't just protesting; they're looting. They're, they, you know, they're looting. They're burning their communities and mm. we both watched a video and I know that we posted it on our two girls on a mic Instagram page of the um the activist from the US a black lady called Tamika Mallory oh god yeah that speech was incredible right and one of the things mm. that she said and which I just thought was unanswerable really was mm. that you know this violence this looting, we learned it from you. There you go. You know when she said that? Don't she? You know when she started it off with, "Don't I, I don't give a damn about the looting." I was yeah. like, <laughs> you know, because that looting we learned mm. from you. You came here and looted mm. this land. Mm, and the thing mm. is, even if people want to start saying, "Oh, that was so long ago," no. If nobody has stood up and said, "Oh, that was wrong," we ought not to have yeah. done that. Then, as far as I'm concerned, you don't get to have the moral high ground now because you this have is to it. that behaviour. Shez, if you go to the British Museum and ask them to send back Nigeria or Benin, any of them artifacts back, they're telling you about how, oh, you know, um, yeah, but um, they I don't can have it back on loan. Yeah, they can have it back on loan or they don't want them back and it, it's safer to have it here. Like, really? I'm telling you, this country is the very definition of throwing rocks and hiding their hands and acting like, oh, it's not me. All of it. Come on, man. Come on. And Let's you know be honest. Else, you know what else that this country is good at as well? This country is good at 
performative, performative, um, like, you know, all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, we get it. You know, we're with you. We understand, you know, black lives. <laughs> like proper performance. Because mm. just one day. <laughs> Give us my cartoons then, innit? <laughs> <laughs> and just, just the other day, you lot were gaslighting the black community. People like mm. Philip Schofield talking about, oh, you know how I feel about that man already, shares. I'm already... Mm. Like, honestly, though, all of a sudden, this country will... will you know, when Stormzy when, came and, and he had that interview, I, I say came, had that interview and had said, yes, the UK mm. is a very racist country. Ah, come on, see, mm. come on, see. Flops of comments <laughs> denying denying they try to take him out and it's like all that and they were taking him out with rape trying to take him out with racism as well like go back to your country then go back there like all right if i go back to he's from ghana yeah let me go back to ghana whilst i'm going back give us back our stuff give us back all the gold because according to them stormzy needs to be grateful to what Britain has given him. So that would be like me going on national TV and saying to the British people, you need to be grateful to the people of Ghana because of all the gold that you stole from there, giving you, you know, the, the generational wealth that you have. You get down on your knees, kiss their foot bottom right now because you have their wealth. And also Not on that, whole idea, that whole idea of, of you ought to be grateful to to us and this country it, it it only serves to promote that kind of paternalistic view that white people sometimes have of black people yeah yeah we are, yeah we are to be subservient here and as you said grateful and oh yeah and know our place and things like that so um it's really what i really like about what's going on um right now Aside from all these brands which are jumping on the bandwagon <laughs> of supporting the cause, talk about the brands, right? <laughs> I'm really, I'm really, I'm really liking the people who really are having their time to shine. And I know we're going to talk about John Boyega later, but he mm. is somebody as a young black man who's grown up <sighs> in, you know, southeast London, who has grown up in the core mm. of Londinium. And no belly of the beast, right? Knows what time it is, yeah. Everyone's right? thinking that anyway. Let me not get into it. As you said, we're going to talk about him later. But he um, now, this is what I'm enjoying is that people like him are standing up and just talking freely. And mm. when people want to sort of try and divert and derail and distract and talk about well, all racism and races of all colored stuff, he's like, no. Right now, in light of mm. what we've seen happening in America, in light of what's going on here with the way black people are being disproportionately affected by, yes, police brutality, the criminal justice system, but also COVID, I am talking about a specific type of racism. He's not being, yep. he's not being derailed. He's not being, mm. what did he say? He's not being racist. <laughs> You can't rattle me. No. <laughs> you can't rattle me. When he said that, I said, <laughs> Oh my god! I loved it. I loved I was it. Like, 
You cannot. I'm like, how, I'm like, how old is this brother? How old is he? Honestly. Hey. <laughs> I heard he's looking for a wife, but I'm too old. So, you know. You said loud and clear. You cannot <laughs> battle me. I said lyrics. Yeah, man. That's oh. it. That's it. <laughs> But um, I did want to ask the question, obviously, the, off of the back of this, protest has, has um, kicked off. We've also had quite a bit of looting. Um, whenever we've seen, like, um, a, um, a really public death like this, um, you know, oftentimes there is, there will be protests, there will be, you know, things going, a civil unrest going on. And there's always this argument that, oh, you know, protesting doesn't do anything. I don't know. I just feel like we've already had um, the the officer, Derek um, Chauvin, who was arrested um, first. Took a little while for them to arrest him. And they arrested him under the charge of third degree murder. I think just yesterday they announced that they're arresting and charging the other three officers. And they've upped the charges to second degree um, murder. So, like we were saying... The main officer, yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, no, no, all three of them now, second degree, all Is four of them, rather. Oh, right, okay. So, hold on. So, Derek has been charged with second degree murder, and they're charged with aiding and abetting, so abetting, assisting that, yeah, right, okay. So, that to my mind has never happened before, so where you know, there's yeah so quickly in terms of there's been a public outcry and then they you know the authorities have acted particularly with the police like yeah you know they will fight too for now to make sure one of their own gets as less a charge as possible if they are going to charge them yeah so do you think the protests have actually helped to kind of shift shift that and if that's and if you do think that do you think that this will be the future of um, things to come if something like this happens again? I think that, um, you know, if I'm being cynical, those moves may have been made to almost try and quell the protests. So in mm-hmm. that way, one could say, yes, the protests have, have worked because it's sped up the system as one would expect it to work and, and, and in a way that one hasn't seen it work in the past. But also, I would say that the protesting, I think psychologically, will have done, will have changed people. Because I think people are saying to themselves, mm. seeing themselves even doing this and seeing um, the numbers that have come out, I think people are saying, do you know what? I feel like we're all on the same page here. Page, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. Think the people who are viewing that, the powers that be that are viewing that, if they are not taking notes and take paying attention i mean i think that's going to be their bad if they're not because i do think that these protests are yes there have been looting i don't even want to talk about that but these mm, i don't care by, i'm just gonna by, go and uh, i don't protests, care no these protests by and large have been about people saying are you actually joking Mm, like mm. this is this has to stop stop again i think i think that the the specifics of this specific of this specific case and as i said the lack of those blame tick boxes i think has really got people saying what kind of state um, what kind of state do we have not black people not black Mm. we we know 
you know, black, black Americans, African Americans, they've been knowing. Mm. I think what it's done and why you can see such mixed crowds also in these, um, in these protests is because not just what you said where there's the time, but it's also the fact of people saying, wait a minute, this one, I can't even, even if I want to start beginning to say, oh, did he have a weapon? Did he move funny? Yeah. Was he running? Yeah. He, was he threatening? All of those things aren't there. And I just feel like that has left people no choice but to sit up and be like... Yeah. I mean, they're still trying. I mean, um, that crazy lady, Candice Owens, is like trying to really... Um, shit on George's um character um because he, he I think he, well she's saying I don't know how true this is but she's saying that he's got a previous conviction for armed robbery or something like that again this woman is like to me she's insane and whenever you know something like this happens she's always ready to be the first one to coon it out for whoever and try to dis- distract from what the actual issue is and I'm like even if this man was the worst being on the face of this earth the fact of the matter is law enforcement their actual job is to preserve life is to um, de-escalate situations and they did none of that because even if you know George was this person who she's trying to claim that he is they didn't know that when they arrest, when they arrested him, he was just another person. So therefore, he could have he could have just been somebody who, like like the guy who um, called out that woman, Amy Cooper, mm. who you know he, if you like, is like the the quintessential black man who they would good prefer victim. to good yeah the the good victim like he's a bird watcher he's you know unthreatening oh, he yeah. So what if, what if that man was him? Would you be okay with that? Mm. It's the fact that you're missing the point. This is law enforcement. It is not their job to sit on somebody's neck to stop them from breathing and take their life. That's mm. not their job. It's absolutely not. And the thing is, as well, you've made the most valid point. You didn't even know that at the time. So what's that right. to do with it? And those, he wasn't exhibiting those signs at the time, which is... It's not, you're, even if he's got a record for armed robbery, was he armed at the time and did he commit a robbery? Mm. Is that what you're arresting him for? No. He wasn't resisting. He wasn't doing anything that was threatening in any way, shape or form. Do you know what his arrest was supposed to be about? Do you know what his arrest was for? Some counterfeit $20 bill. Can you imagine? Mm. Can you imagine? No. Listen, there were a bag of um, white people who were tweeting, look, I've had like, you know, $10 $10 bills, $20 bills, however many dollar bills that were counterfeit that I didn't know were counterfeit and I've used it to pay for stuff. And obviously, you know, in the stores, they can check to see whether or not it's real. And, you know, they're saying that the most part when they're in the store, they're like, oh my God, I didn't know, I'm really sorry. And they're like, you know, the cashers are like, oh, don't worry about it. It happens all the time. And then it's just whatever, it's just a story. But for George, that was his life. You took his life for that. And, and the link between him, his case, and the Amy Cooper and that other Mr. Cooper, I can't remember what the man's first name is, but his surname's also... I think it's Andrew. I think Andrew... Was it Andrew Cooper? I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I feel like I'm getting that wrong. The point being that the, the mm. link between it is not just that, um, you know, obviously Amy Cooper called the police and used the words, I'm going to tell them an African-American man is threatening me. So it's mm-hmm. clear that it's clear that she was weaponizing not only her whiteness, but also 
using his blackness as something that was going to be used against him. And she was, she was yeah. of that. But also the fact that the people in the shop who may have received, if it's a restaurant or a shop, received the $20 bill, were so quick to call the police for something mm. that, what do you need the police for? Mm. Honestly. Even if you thought it was counterfeit, you could have been like, I'm not serving you. I'm, this isn't your, this is, this is, and it sent the man on his way. You don't have to sell him the product if you feel like it's a fake $20 bill. But you felt so aggrieved by it that you called the actual police for 20 By his blackness. That's what it is. This is the world we're living in. So apparently the, the shopkeepers has now publicly stated that if anything like that happens again, that he's never calling the police again. Ever. I'm just going to reserve my comment on that because... Yeah, me too. Okay, so I wanted to kind of talk about brands now jumping out to show support for the Black community, Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, we had Blackout Tuesday. Um, was it yesterday? Day before? <laughs> what day is it today? I've lost, um, two days ago. Yeah, so we had Blackout Tuesday and the idea behind that was to post um, a Black Square in support of Black Lives Matter with the hashtag Blackout Tuesday. And then after that, you were supposed to, you know, keep the conversation going by posting just um, things in regards to supporting um, Black businesses, Black talent, anything remotely Black, that was supposed to happen. There was a little bit of Blackout Tuesday, Blackout Tuesday was, I I don't even know how it transisted from, because it was mainly based in the music industry, but then it... uh, just kind of went across into what you said. So it's kind of... Yeah, so it kind of... Like, I wasn't sure what I was outside of that, what I was supposed to do after. Yeah, it was confusing because like, like you said, it was almost like it got hijacked and then people got very confused. They were posting the squares and then some people were posting things, like you said, to do with black creatively, black talent and black, black yeah. things, whereas other people just left it at the square and didn't post anything for the whole day. So... It was very weird, but um, outside of that, you then had major brands who were then posting their black squares and posting their messages of support, which yeah. is quite interesting to me because a lot of these brands, I'm like looking at like, looking at them like eh here because before some of you lot have been called out for your lack of diversity, your lack of um, just inclusion, and just your tone deafness in regards to um the fact that a lot of you will use blackness and lean on black things and black culture quite heavily to sell your products but you won't use black talent you don't have black people in the the you know the the boardrooms you know making decisions and, and doing things and everything like that so what do you think yeah, what do you think about all of that? Do you feel like it's, do you think it's a faux kind of, do you think it's just fake or do you think this will be something that they will continue to, I, to, to do well, in terms I of support? Think, I think, I think time will have to be, time will have to tell. And I also think that people are not going to have short memories about it. So mm. if not, if, time, if, if, if actions and words don't marry up later on in life, or later on mm-hmm. that way, I think people will be only too keen to call them out. Because like I said, I understood 
the, the whole concept of Blackout Tuesday, when you're right, when I saw all the brands um, coming on board and then talking about their bit, that's where I was like, okay, so what does this bit mean? But actually, when I even think about what I'm saying, oh, I didn't really know what to do. There's nothing for me to do. Let them keep up that energy. That's what yeah, yeah. See. That's their job now. It's like, yeah. okay, yeah. So you've been bleeding us dry for God knows how long and <laughs> taking our talent and creativity and don't even hire us, but you yeah. want us, you know, as um, Clara Ampho kind of um, quoted um, Amanda Seals, you want our rhythm, but none of our blues. Yeah. It, it, basically, you want black things, but you don't want... Um, you don't want black people doing yeah. those black things, which is yeah. just, ugh. So it, it's, it kind of speaks to the systemic, you know, racism that kind of permeates through everything. People just think it's through the judicial system. It's no, it's through everything. And when we say we experience this every single day, we really do from the overt racism to the microaggressions to everything that we do and we navigate it so much and we we're so good at doing it now we do it to a point where a lot of us are kind of um you know doing it trying to appease white people to make them feel comfortable like taking our creativity and kind of whitewashing it so it, it it's palatable to to white people and whiteness and just here, here's our things but we're not going to make it too too black so you can feel a part of the the movement as well but in the meantime in, in between time I'm, I'm i'm gonna you know diminish how my role my role in all of this to make you feel comfortable about it and you know what that's why i think that that the the younger generation like the john boyegas you know people like you know my niece my friend's daughter who went to um one of the marches this is why i think that they are standing up because you know that thing that you just spoke about like the um you know the taking of the talent mm. also to people of you know our parents generation who were cock blocked at work in terms of promotion watching white counterparts being promoted above them which is you know it's a big a big story when you speak to a certain generation. When you think about the subtle but really serious ways in which we've been financially disenfranchised, yeah, we've been we've had opportunities and access to opportunities blocked from us. We've actually been going backwards. Mm. We, we're moving forwards ourselves of our own efforts but in ways we've been being pushed backwards but in a way that you know we don't see it because it's the compounding of these things it's the compounding when when this man doesn't get this promotion it, and, and he never rises above a certain level in his workplace. It means that his pay is stagnant, which affects his, his family. It affects his social mobility chances. It affects all yeah. those kind of things. When you're being marked poorly at school, it then goes on and it follows you on your file and it follows you. And then it affects your outcomes at school, which then affects your outcomes in the workplace or can affect the outcomes of the kind of jobs that you're going to get when people are being turned down or not even interviewed for jobs or for, for, for homes because of their surname, they're turfed off the list. Can you imagine just all the kind of ways that we've been like disenfranchised? Mm -hmm. what, on mass, if you add up all of those 
things that have happened, what that must have, how much that has taken from black communities, the black community, it's actually really difficult to kind of, to comprehend. To quantify, yeah. Why yeah. the young people have seen that and they're like, nah. nah not on it. Nah. It's a new age, especially now because um, I think the internet has really helped a lot in terms of um, kind of changing the structure of the way the workforce is because now it's like, you don't have to be dependent on a company to you know to earn money you don't have to do the traditional go to school get a job and stay with that job for you know 40 50 years until you retire it's like no actually i can leave school and start my own business online and um and not even just start one business start many businesses and things go you know you can have many different streams of income so i think for the younger generation because they have that there's a lot more power and control in that whereas you know maybe our parents and grandparents didn't really have that choice because their their choice was like i need to survive and i need to make sure that my kids eat so i need to make sure that i'm putting myself in a position where i've got a guaranteed you know, money coming in for my family, whereas we have a little bit more freedom and leeway. And when you've got that freedom, is it like, who's going to tell you anything? Mm. Which which corporation can tell you? No, no. Now it's like we're in the driver's seat. You see all of these. That's why all of these brands are coming to these influencers and to p- certain people to be like, look, we want you to be the face of X, Y, and Z because you've got X amount of followers, and if you just post this, blah blah blah. So really and truly. These kids, they're in the driving seat in regards to how they're able to kind of sustain themselves. Mm. The game has, has, has kind of totally changed. So for what, what that means for, you know, particularly young black kids, that, that, that right there, when I think about in terms of how would that be if our, our parents and grandparents had access to that, what would we be like now, like in terms of how we pick um our chosen careers like mm. do you know what I mean am I kind of making sense or am I going yeah. off a tangent no 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 I get what you mean I get what you yeah mean. um so it was it was kind of nice seeing a lot of young people out yesterday and just protesting and really kind of eloquently and articulately making the point and not kind of um just being kind of just 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 being out there for the sake of being out there it's like no we are we understand yeah we understand fully why we're out here this is the reason this is the history behind it we're not putting up with this anymore and this is what we want in order for things to move forward Right. Well, one of the things that concerns me about some of the um, the protests going on, whilst I support them, is the fact that we still have got Corona around, mm. and none of us want there to be a second wave, which is definitely, definitely um, uh, a scary thought. Yeah. But more than so, I'm just thinking about how long is this lockdown going on for because I'm gonna go for it. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get out <laughs> like, honestly it's not doing anymore 
it feels like what like we can see the government are are easing up the restrictions and mm. um you know opening um many places soon but i just don't know i just feel as though that even itself might be a bit quick do you reckon or or yeah way too soon like how many thousands and thousands of people are dying literally every day i haven't heard one statement from boris wherever he's at in regards to whether or not these deaths are dropping they just seem to be rising and rising rapidly so clearly this this curve that they keep banging on about is not flattening on on the daily numbers in fairness on the daily numbers they are Mm. saying that the numbers of deaths are are going down but I just feel as though we may be jumping the gun a bit because, you know, we are still between, you know, that five point um, scale that they Mm -hmm. have for, um, you know, whether it's it's level five, which is like, you know, it's rapid, um, rapid spread or level one where it's like contained and there's hardly any spreading going on. Um, Mm. paraphrased hope I've done that correctly but we're between three and four which is close to the top do you know what I mean so lord saying so this reopening mm. of as much as listen I'm telling you like I'm ready you know I'm ready <laughs> and you know I'm not even many things that I would not, do. I just want some outside <laughs> they're, they're, shares, they're, they're only, there's only one reason why they're, they're reopening and it's got nothing to do with our health it's got everything to do with this bloody economy like this we live in a country that is hugely capitalist and cannot survive without you know business business and businesses going you know opening up and with money coming in and coming out and coming in and coming out it can't it simply can't so they're hedging their bets on allegedly slowly allowing people out by saying okay you know on this date this particular industry can open and on this date this particular industry can open and I'm not hearing you know oh it can open because by this particular day, we expect the death rates to be down by X amount of percent. We're just hearing it. What 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 is the deciding factor that's that they they came to to say that okay, by two weeks time we'll be be okay to open that that industry. What is it that says to you it's okay to do that? Money. They haven't explained that. They just keep saying, oh yeah, in two weeks. How do we know in two weeks time we won't have a second wave? Mm. You can't be telling you can't be telling the British public, oh, you know, we can open X, Y, and Z on these particular dates without saying why. Yeah. Why? Why? Why two weeks? Why not three weeks? Why not tomorrow? Yep. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what though. Um, one of the things that I have been enjoying on this lot in this lockdown period are all Mm. these new methods of entertainment. So. Oh yeah. the um versus challenges that we've had where you've had artists going artists or groups going up against each other um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. versus platform fully enjoying oh my gosh laugh fully enjoying the the, the only ones that i know of and then you can tell me if if there have been um if there have been more so um uh luda and nelly didn't watch one yeah, yeah. and Jagged Edge watched 10 minutes of, <laughs> of. 
Jill yeah. Scott and Erica Badu watched the whole thing, fell in love with it all, watched it, rewatched it again on um, yeah. YouTube. Um, Bounty Killer and Beady Man stayed up. The sound started playing music. I thought I was yeah. a, next minute I woke up, it was morning. I'd missed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Teddy Riley and um, Babyface watched it, loved it. Yeah. The, the first time ran where Teddy Riley got ripped. <laughs> <laughs> Even the second time, the nonsense, the jokes, the banter, but all in all, it was just such a great show anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, I missed the gospel one that had recently been done with Kurt Franklin. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I wasn't in the mood. I wasn't in the mood to be uplifted. I actually wanted to be pissed off, so I didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I don't want I don't want to be up I'm not in the mood to even be uplifted today let me just wallow in my anger for a bit more yeah. sorry Kirk I love you to death but I can't so I actually still have to go back and watch watch that one yeah ditto I'm going to because loads of people said mm. they were so good so I, I don't know if I've covered them all I think I, I, I might have I think you have actually yeah so which one did you mm. enjoy the most okay so this one <laughs> Whoa, yes, good. <laughs> this is it. I've got my flag ready. <laughs> should have actually known. Come on. <laughs> how, did I not, how did I not guess that for myself? Listen, the way I love that Beanie Man and Bounty Killer clash, I am so glad because I think for the most part, I've stayed up for, literally stayed up, made myself stay up for three um, versus battles. One being the Teddy Riley and Babyface, the other one, Jill Scott and Erica Badu. And then the third one, obviously Beanie Man and Bounty Killer. And all three of them, I'm so glad that I actually stayed up for those. I was pretty much dreading like staying up for any versus battle and it being rubbish because I'm like I can't waste my sleep it's one o'clock in the morning and this better be good because I'm gonna get really irritated but I'm happy to say that all three of them I actually thoroughly enjoyed but this one to me actually made me so proud to be a Jamaican because what was different about the in fact what I will say is that all of those battles were really good at kind of highlighting specific genres of music and showing why those those specific genres are great so you've got the new jack swing and kind of you know new jack swing and um soul kind of era with Babyface and um teddy riley and they show their greatness in that their back catalog crazy 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 from michael jackson to tony braxton the list is endless you know how that goes already then you've got them two queens um erica and jill showing neo soul in its entirety and just bringing the vibes and everything they just kind of just made everyone feel just like and just kind of cool and just and then you've got the madness of beanie man and bounty killer bringing what actual clash culture is about and when you saw i was just like oh my god you Damn it, that's what I'm talking about. Because it was like, and I think the, 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 the thing about that particular battle is that I think they had the benefit of being in the same room with each other, whereas everybody else was 
X amount of miles away. So they had to do it via IG live while one person's in one house, next person in another house. Yeah. Being a man about a kid, we're in the same room. Mm. There were so many different things going on within that entire battle, which is what made it amazing. So you got to see if you weren't, if you're somebody that's never experienced or know anything about clash culture, mm. um, then you've got to see a snap, just a snapshot of it. Because remember, even though you're seeing it, this isn't the actual format because normally it's outside with a bunch, bunch of people, but you felt the energy of it. And I just watched it and I thought, this is what we fucking do. This is what is so great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you've got these two Titans who used to be, used to hate each other like back in the day. And it was really nice to see that they're both like, you know, giants in their industry and they're of a certain age and they've put that all to one side and they just came together and just created this amazing kind of vibesy show. They put an actual performance and it started kind of like nicey nice and it actually turned into a, a proper battle between the two of them, but not a battle where it got nasty, a battle where it was like healthy competition. Yeah. And you just saw like, oh my God, this is dance hall culture this is you know and then it just started a debate about you know jamaica's influence on just just music in general particularly hip-hop and blah 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 and just being this little island of three million people man listen i was like let me get my flag here because this is talking about shit i still need to watch that one you know to be honest with you oh, it, it was it. so good yeah i, I wasn't that one, and what I, got. One. I heard it I yeah heard every, like the timeline when I got up and I was like, oh, mm. so I missed it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the time. And the joke is, yeah, you know when it's getting late and your eyes are starting to water and it's like, I don't know if I can, if I can wait up anymore. The energy of what, what they gave, it, it was like it, it, they put like an energy bar in me because of, all of a sudden I forgot that I was tired. Yeah. And then when it finished, I'm still on a hype. Like, I'm ready to go out. Like, I want to go yeah. and party. That was what they kind of gave. And it was, just, it was just incredible. And one of the things I kind of want to kind of ties into what's kind of going on currently is that, you know, when people start talking about, there's a certain people who I'm going to, person I'm going to blast in Shady Corner when we do it. But I don't want nobody talking about how we don't love each other. Because what I've seen prior to, you know, the tragedies that have happened in America is that us as black people across the diaspora shouts out to no signal as well is that we've been using our creativity I've been me life. right we've been using our creativity to, to that has really helped people come out of this funk that we are all in at the moment just to forget about you know the fact that you know jobs are being lost we're stuck in the house you know we don't know where we're going to get our next money from blah 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 with all of these battles that we've that we, all of these genres of music that we as a people across the diaspora have created, we did that. And I feel like music is one of the ways that we show our love mm. and we've been able to spread that across the world. And the so I don't know what you, you yeah. right. And that's it. Like, look, and we, we did, and we've been doing that. And mm. up until the point where I would say probably Ahmad Aubrey passed away, we were all living our best lives. Like honestly, there's the energy that, you know, the Beanie Man and, and Bounty Killer versus Battle gave off was just, I hadn't felt that in a long time. And I felt that during a global pandemic while I was trapped in my house, excited, 
that's how excited I get when I'm at a concert, when yeah. I'm seeing one of my favorite yeah. acts, but I'm in my house and they managed to transfer that to me and others over the laptop. Yeah. yeah that's they crazy. Did, they did actually, they've done, they've done a big thing. The whole kind mm. of versus platform. Um, so that was your favorite one. I would say my yeah. favorite one out of the ones that I've watched. I just, I think I have to say Jill Scott and Erica Badu. Mm. The vibe was just so. Um... Can Jill Scott please start a dental line? Because I need to find out where she gets her teeth done because they're perfect. Where she gets her teeth done, and I need to find yeah. out her skincare routine. <laughs> glowing so like look how shy every time she smiles it just like oh my god i need sunglasses like let yeah. me just the whole like, literally, let me let me this is me watching jill like jill just please take time yeah no because... me, wa- <laughs> me watching them, do you know what me watching them turned into me not even actually watching them turned mm. into me just putting the phone next mm. to me i think i had my phone and my laptop open because i had been live tweeting so just having it next to me and literally just vibing to it. It was yeah. such a vibe and it was so like comforting and mm. like, I can't even describe it. It just felt like a big kind of just warm. <laughs> a big warm hug. <laughs> hug. It was just like, yeah, just all of that like the tunes and the love between them and the mutual respect and just, you know, these things were like pegged as a competition, but between Mm. the two of them, it was just like, just like an appreciation of each other's music. Right. I felt like just kind of let into their little jam session. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really, really liked it. I really, I really got my life with that one. So that was my best one. Um, closely followed by, obviously, the Teddy Riley and um, <laughs> Baby Face. I don't want to keep laughing, but that had me in st- There were so many jokes that came out of that one, right? Oh, yeah, I loved it. It was just so from Baby Face's shadiness to Shady Teddy face. Riley determined that he's going to have about 20 men in the room and this TV screen here and some machine, musical machine over there. Like it was just, it was, it was too much. It was, it was good entertainment. It was definitely good entertainment. And yeah. <laughs> Shady faces, we now call him, was a <laughs> Shady face. But one of the other things that's been keeping me going, La, mm. is mm. Um, watching certain programs and not having the pressure of oh I can't really watch it because I've got some work to do um like literally watching um uh, Insecure Mm -hmm. and um The Real Housewives which is now finished well the one of the Atlanta series yeah thank god I was really and have been getting Mm. my life through Insecure now <laughs> when we discussed this i just realized the bits that we were going to talk about yeah before we get to those can i just say have you seen the latest episodes yeah yeah i've seen them all. Did come on now. give you the feels because i have to be honest it, it did because i don't know if i could give it lawrence yet <laughs> i was still a little bit like hmm 
But when, when like she was explaining to him, look, this is why I did what I did. And I felt like he was listening and taking it in. Yeah. Had she said that, and he, he was like, oh, I would have wanted to fly kick my TV screen. That's all I'm saying. It's like the communication. The, yeah. The, the talking it out, the, the, the sex scene, everything. I was just like, I feel like I was, I was, I was happy for her. I was yeah. happy for them. And you know, we've, we've had our moments, <laughs> Lawrence. We've had our moments. Oh, yes. Lawrence. <laughs> I just feel like I, feel like I was happy for him. So, yeah, I'm happy for both of them actually because you can tell they love each other. They just, it just went, you know, when you get fed up with people and then you just stop caring about them being around. About what? It's how I feel about you sometimes. Cut your mouth, man. Sure. <laughs> sure. You can't, Lawrence, me. Let me tell you. And it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're breaking up now. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you got to take me out to dinner, love. Win me back <laughs> after lockdown. <laughs> yeah. If you drop on the floor like Issa, then <laughs> the way she dropped, I'm like, did you practice that, or was that actually in the script? And they just thought, let's just keep it in because <laughs> I was like, when she was on the floor, she was like, just leave me, leave me here. I'll be like crawling out of. I would not come back. I'll be like Lawrence. She's we lucky. need to go somewhere else. She's lucky that she was with someone that she's comfortable with. Imagine that was a first date, a blind yeah. date, or a man yeah. really crushing on for eight <laughs> and, and then you fall flat on your face. Yes, oh, okay, no, that's no. that's the end of that then. I shall see you around then. I'm just going <laughs> to go home. Exactly. <laughs> I'll be like, there's no recovery from this point. There yeah. is actually no recovery. I'm just, I'm just going to leave. That's, it's fine. You don't need to call me. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Proper light. <laughs> Just an electric slide out. <laughs> oh dear, do with the shoulders. Uh, one of um, one of the um, features, obviously, of this particular season, season four of Insecure, mm. is the friendship breakdown between Law mm. <laughs> between Isa. I don't know why you keep... Listen, let me tell you something. Are you trying to get rid of me, Shares? Is this, what we, is this the end? Is this it? <laughs> Between Molly and Issa. The thing is, we're, we're aligned. Where do we mm. think the fault lies in this, in this thing? Tell I, think they, I think they both have their part to play. I think Molly was really disappointing in the last, was it two episodes before this one just gone? Um, I think, okay, so Issa's problem, one of the reasons as to why she's always in the the kitchen, gangbanging, talking to herself in the mirror is that she doesn't like to confront problems. Mm -hmm. So rather than actually confronting her actual issues, she runs into the toilet and starts talking to herself and tries to turn herself (laughs) into somebody she would like to be. And then she leaves that and enters the real world and doesn't take that energy with her to kind of stand up for herself. So, and I think, Molly kind of knows that about her. Mm. Um, and whereas before, she was probably okay with it. But I think now she kind of weaponized that side of Issa a little bit, in, mm. especially when she um, did that little stunt with the whole um, festival that she was oh. trying to oh, arrange. 
yeah that was really mean I'm like okay so you aren't getting on at the moment but it was almost like she was trying to control like Issa in a way that I was like no why are you telling her what she can and can't do in regards to who she speaks to to get that connect in order to make an event happen and I also think people forget as well that Issa is somebody who's bounced from job to job who's just gone into jobs just to pay bills I think she's finally in a position where she's in a job that she actually loves doing and obviously she's quite good at it and I don't think Molly was used to that new Issa because she's normally the one that's yeah yeah right she's normally the one that's kind of like the job Per, the career person yeah. is really good at her which she is she's very good at her job and you know she's the one kind of used to calling Issa and saying I'm really sorry I can't make whatever arrangement because I've got work blah 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 and we saw that even do that same behavior with um, Andrew Asian Bay mm. and it was like she didn't like Issa doing that to her um, when Issa had a lot of work on and she you know she had to put her off and everything and that she wasn't seeing herself her her own behavior reflected in what Issa was doing and all it was is that she just had a lot going on and it was almost like she took it like a personal slight like how dare you sort of thing which was just so like quite entitled actually like you're my little friend you've got to be there as and when I decide to however when I decide to go AWOL, you should just accept it. Mm-mm. And it was like, I think it was the behavior that wasn't reciprocated. I'm like, this is your friend. Like, be happy for your friend. She's in the same position that you're in with your career. You love it. You mm-hmm. sacrifice for it. Now she's doing the same thing. Now you can't take it. Yeah. I don't like all of that. I don't like that, that, that at all. I'm like, no, 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 no. I didn't, and I didn't like the fact that she even tried to start something at the... Um, the um the, the 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 all day festival thing the block party. yeah I just really? think that was like how can you <sighs> want it to be having a fight there this is mm. this is Issa's this is Issa's this is her baby yeah yeah and you're coming and you want to do finger in face I, oh, that, that that finger in the face was so triggering you know because mm. I don't really understand how <laughs> Molly really Listen. I just on it la <laughs> <laughs> it was just so weird and interestingly enough just before she went over there I think Andrew had said something to her and she totally dismissed it I think he said to her um what's it like oh she's she's been busy or something and she, oh god what was it that he said did he say something like what's this really about or why are you yeah that was it what is this really about and rather she take a minute and actually answer the question so that she knows you know actually what I'm really upset about is whatever x y and z she just looked at him dismissed him walked, turned around and then walked towards Issa with her gun fingers in the face snapped her finger off um Issa that's what you should have done take your dusty finger out my face (laughs) she was like as you said just really like oi how dare you talk to my man's best friend about get you know getting artists for your for your event like wait what and that wasn't even that wasn't even something bad that Issa did you Mm. said you didn't want to ask him because you didn't want to um, I think you, you were in a good place with him and you didn't want to cross some boundaries or something like that. So fair yeah. enough. But she didn't even specifically say, and I don't want you asking him. So when mm. he finds her own way via Nathan to ask, mm. I don't even think that there's a problem, to be honest with you. 
Hang oh, on. No. Didn't wait. Didn't Nathan wait? Didn't Nathan actually offer his services? Lisa didn't actually ask him. Yeah. Yes. And so she's supposed to say no to make Molly feel better about herself. But the thing is, she wouldn't, but it, because Molly even approached it on a fraudulent basis, she wouldn't mm. even have known to say no because Molly said to her, I don't want to do it because I don't want to cross the boundaries or blur the boundaries and we're in a good place. So she didn't even really, she didn't say with her chest, no, I'm not doing it because mm. I don't feel like doing it. Then Issa would have had it in her mind like, oh, is this some kind of problem? Molly made mm. it like... I've got a, you know, even though she's been, you know, I didn't agree with it. And maybe, you know, Issa might have thought, even though I don't agree with it, she said the reason why she doesn't want to do it. So fair dues. But Molly mm. has actually this, yeah. had in her mind. That's why she's vexed that Issa managed to get um, the artist. That is why she was upset. Yeah, that was mad to me. I'm like, nah, this is not what a friend does at all in the slightest. And you of all people should know because you you know you've seen how hard she's had to work yeah to 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 put this event on i'm not kind of mad this is this i didn't i was like mm-mm. 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 and i think it's really interesting what you said about um isa being the one that um was then becoming busy and also one of the things that she was doing was which we saw in molly's facial reactions that Molly kind of noticed and kind of had an issue with before all of yeah. it was when Issa um, was hanging out with Condola. Who right, was, yeah, yeah, Lauren yeah. was at that time Issa's ex, Lawrence, Lawrence's current partner. So mm. that was kind of like an interesting dynamic watching that. But it was the, the question I wanted to ask coming out of that or watching that was would you... Do you reckon you would be able to do that? So have a work um, relationship with your ex's current partner? No. <laughs> no. No. You know, there's this whole, oh, when they go low, they go high. <laughs> yeah. He's a bigger person. This maturity. Yeah that you're just supposed no. to have in some situations. That might not be in an analogous situation, but you get my drift. Like this whole thing, yeah. like, you know, bigger person. Oh yeah, we you know, it's cool. He's my ex. Da, da, da. I no, just no. <laughs> no. 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 We didn't even hesitate. The answer is just no, it's not going to happen. No. And again, I think Issa was able to do that because like I said, she doesn't like confrontation. So she'd rather just like, you know, be, well, be seemingly okay with everything and make out like, yeah, it's not a problem. It would be a problem for me. I'm not going to lie. You, you know, think, Issa. Do you think that's why she, she, she kind of rolled with it? Because I wondered if, you know, I wondered mm. if we are, to be honest, like we're the gangbangers. Like we, yeah. should have, we should be able to do that. But, you know, we're being honest and saying, nah, fam, <laughs> we're not doing mm. that. Or is it, is it actually, yeah, maybe I didn't think of it like that. I just thought, wow, that's what being the bigger person looks like. Well, no, I think she yeah. was just putting up because she she doesn't like confrontation. She'd rather just kind of suffer suffer it and do all these awkward looks and like you know just be. She is the awkward black. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> She'd rather funny. be in those situations and actually confront the fact that you know what this. I don't feel comfortable doing this. 
the only other thing I think I think I agree with you and it's a really interesting perspective actually that I didn't really think of before the only other mm. thing that I'd throw in is that also in a way she kind of needed condola to make certain things happen so there was probably yeah yeah, well. yeah 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 but, but I, I don't think she um agreed to work with her because of that I just I don't think she was like, oh, you know, I'm going to put my differences aside because Condola, Condola can get me X, Y, and Z. I literally think that she just would just be like, oh, I'm just going to do it because, you know, it's Lawrence and I aren't together anymore and I'm fine yeah. being in an awkward situation because yeah. I, I feel like if she was to um, be the type of person to be like, you know what, I'm just going to work with her because she can do X, Y, and Z for me, that's not... Issa's character she doesn't strike me as somebody that would use someone to get where they need to be in a kind of malicious way yeah if that makes any sense like oh fuck it man she can get me the keys to this and she can get me this artist and da, 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 da. Yeah. she doesn't strike me as that person does that make sense yeah no I get you I get you yeah that's a really um it's good that you kind of reminded me about the genesis of Issa's character i.e awkward black girl because um, mm. that then makes it click into place. You're absolutely right. It's because she, she, she she's too awkward. What's <laughs> <laughs> wrong with it? <laughs> so, so, remember we said, this is a girl who fell on the floor and stayed there. <laughs> Why? Issa, <laughs> uh, get up. Nope, I'm not, I'm not moving this fine. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. She will just put herself in any weird situation rather than actually dealing with what the issue is right. oh now look, God. Before, we, before we move on to the last bit of the show which is shape mm. corner and you are the light we yeah. have an idea we said we were going to talk about it here we're gonna um try and put together a um a panel show of us speaking to women from different industries um so we're hoping to cover a breadth like music um mm. you know i'm in law you're in personal fitness we can get someone in like fashion get someone mm. in marketing and just kind of really talk about some of the issues that have one affected us um coming up through our industries so because of our sex and because of our race but also modern times i think one of the things that we can talk about and actually it's something that you said before we came on air, was talking yeah. about the job market, the job market moving on um, post-corona and what it's going to look like for certain industries and some of the changes and, and what those changes might mean for people in those industries. So that's something that we're going to be working on. And also we're going to try and get back to some level of regular scheduling um, but as we said, you know, this is a, this is, you know, coronavirus, I say to people, not in a preachy way, but the link is, it's a novel virus. And this mm. is, this, therefore, this is a novel time. Many of us haven't lived through a situation like this in our lifetimes. We mm. didn't live through any walls here, which meant that there were imposed curfews or imposed lockdowns or anything like that so this is really a new time for us and it has been um an emotional journey as well as everything else as well as for some people um a physical journey some people who have been ill and um so i guess i'm just saying all of that to say that yeah we are gonna 
get some more programs out to you but one of the things that we are focused on during this time are ourselves making sure that we're happy making sure that we're healthy making sure that we you know our families have what they need so you've got to excuse us if you don't hear from us but you can always engage with us on yeah. our two girls and a mic instagram page and also two girls and a mic twitter page so make sure that you uh get us there and also our personal um instas and uh twitters i'm sure you can find them out from those two pages um so la moving to the mm-hmm. last of the show <laughs> uh, shady corner who you aren't putting shady corner oh my god i mean there's there's so many people that have been so really showing their asses over the last um eight days as you say but i need to give I'm going to pick Tiny Temper because I don't know what this brother is on because I nearly lost my shit when I heard him respond to the George Floyd um, murder. And it was literally, I think maybe a day later when people were just like, I mean, this, this is what's pissed me off. I've literally witnessed grown men who aren't particularly like what you would describe as criers, yeah? On their Instagram page, crying proper eye water like upset i don't want to even think about the, the the mental aspects of what people are going through right now particularly with black men and black women across the world because i know i've been very tearful waking up in the morning pissed off and just like just not myself and with this pandemic on top of it it can't be great so i don't understand that as a black man living in this country knowing the bullshit that we go through your response is to jump online and to tell people that we need to love each other more Mm. did you not watch the video did you see any love being trans you know transported to to poor george floyd who was literally begging for his life from this police officer who did not see him as a human being, didn't see him as a sentient being, and he didn't show him any love whatsoever. Mm. Didn't show him any love whatsoever. So that this man could have been, could have had the, the biggest amount of self-esteem and just loved himself down to the ground. It wouldn't have made a difference. So I don't know why or why or how you can watch that and then address the situation by telling us that we need to love each other more. Bruv, where is your message? Right. (laughs) Where is your video message for the white people out there who constantly have been doing this to us, historically been doing this to us and getting away with it scot-free? Where's your video for them? I'm sure you've got a company. I'm sure you employ white people. Have you spoken to them? I'm sure you've got white people in your family. Have you spoken to them? Where's your video for them? Stop coming. We need to stop doing this thing that we um like to um act like we are predisposed to not having any love for itself ourselves or any love to um for anybody else like why do we jump onto narratives that weren't created by us in regards to the fact that we are you know some demons or these evil people that are just incapable of showing empathy love or any kind of like emotion in that regard why do you always jump to uh you know it's because we can't do this and we can't speak for yourself bruv or don't speak at all don't be speak. quiet you know in, in I, I say in fairness to him he um somebody challenged him on why is this what you're saying 
um, mm. the way, what's that got to do with it? And then he said, he said, actually, oh, it wasn't to do with it. He had tweeted about that specifically about the George Floyd. Um, I don't believe him. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. I personally don't believe him. And even if, even if I do extend the benefit of the doubt to him, Tiny, that message is mm. then the timing is all wrong. Because all if you had, if you're saying that you had tweeted about the George Floyd thing, so you had been moved, presumably, to do it, or were you just doing it as lip service? If you were moved to do it, all you needed to do was plug into the feelings that made you do that. How did you feel when you saw that? And if, mm. if, when you plug into those feelings, how do those feelings suddenly tell you to start going off on a capital letter tweet of, we must love each other before people <laughs> will love us? It doesn't even marry up, and that's why mm. I don't believe him. That's why I don't believe him, and I think he's. I think even if I even if I were to extend um, some level of, of of benefit of doubt to him, I just think his timing was poor. Time has been terrible, and everything he's done since then to me seems very performative. I know that he's got a single coming out at the moment, so I actually think it's kind of he's trying to give himself a bit of um, visibility. Mm. Um, in regards to promoting this track I'm just like if this is what you're doing you can miss me with the bullshit because I don't understand like I said you've got um he did the tweet mm. then he did some rap video talking about oh black people blah 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 and like the history of black people and how we've been oppressed I'm like it's too late where is where is your video for what to address white people and their madness where is it because if you're going to be all of the, on this, um, black people need to love each other more, you need to definitely have a video to address white people. Why are you not addressing them? Why? Yeah, I mean, people have posited reasons why on social media. I know why, and you know why. It's easier <laughs> to, for him to come for us than it is to come for them people there. You'll probably lie in his pocket. Mm. Not having it. Not having it no more. Don't speak anymore. Shut up. They say the time. <laughs> Because everyone's always talking to us and telling us what we need to do and what we should be doing, yet nobody can talk to... That's why this man was able to quite happily sit on that man's neck. What, who's going to tell him anything? Yeah. Instead, we Get out of town. What, what George Floyd did or didn't do. Okay, mm. so let's go one for one back to positivity then. <laughs> to, counter, to counterbalance bloody tiny temper... Ibo boy, you know, very disappointed. <laughs> yes, you need to grab him back and no, you know and, what? Like, forget forget him. Forget Ibo land and like he needs. I don't know what he needs. Like what? I don't know what you've got over there that can help him. Forget but... him. I've even found replacement, Mister John Boyega. Hey, hey. I, I know your dad is looking for a wife. <laughs> I'm, I'm still like I'm still mobile John a little bit old for you but you know the things like they work like you know <laughs> no that's how you know we're old <laughs> if you're making stuff you're a robot you're old <laughs> <laughs> oh dear but no, I'm so proud of that young man has, honestly yeah, he has stood out as a leader amongst young leaders. Not forget even the young, he stood out as a leader amongst leaders. Firstly, in um, taking to um, his Twitter and his Instagram to denounce without mincing his words, anti-black racism, 
which goes on around the world. And the thing is, people were coming for him. Um, some, some in 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 that sort of quite innocent way of just kind of trying to moderate someone's someone's words when it's as if they haven't chosen those words themselves. So, oh, don't you mean all kinds of racism and no. things like that? And then calling him racist because he mm. said, you know, f white racists. Mm. And one thing that I um. I appreciated about him is that he stuck to his guns. He absolutely did. He's like, I'm not talking about any other other racism other than other than white on black racism. That's it. That's Why do people like to act like that's about. not a thing? Exactly. And we are talking about that right now in view of what's gone on. Let's stay on topic. If somebody, as they say, and I don't want to, you know, trigger anybody, but if somebody dies of a particular illness, you're not going to just start coming and say, when someone says, oh, that illness is so terrible. Imagine someone bursting in and saying, yes, but this illness is terrible too. It yeah. Sense. We don't do it in any other way. Why is it that we're not allowed the, the space to talk about this really specific kind of racism, which is the prevalent form of racism and I believe the genesis of racism as we currently know it and John just said I said what I said mm. I will not be rattled do you not know <laughs> I'm here and if you not and this young man is now as we said out on the marches he is rallying he is speaking to people and the reason why he is getting all of the light today is I love what he said as a black man where he said and he got quite emotional about it. Mm. And he said, black men, he called upon his fellow black men. And he said, clearly, without stuttering, we need to take care of our black women. I was like, what? <laughs> when? I went, this show was like, no, la, when is history? <laughs> Well, I, I, history, I've entered the twilight zone. Done. Tell me another moment in history when you have heard a black man shout so loudly about black women and the need. Do you know to what? And the need only one one time, a couple of months ago. I have to. I will give it to Stormzy because when he collected his Brit Awards, he made sure to let the people know that the people who are working tirelessly yeah. in the background to make sure that his projects and his music get out there. It's yeah. black women. He's yeah. the only one. I yeah. can't believe we've got all of these black men and only two people yeah. have done that. Yeah. Hmm. But hey. even, even, even setting Stormzy aside, I mean on that real intimate personal relationship. Yeah, yeah. Because there's something that we know, and we've seen it again play out on social media, where especially dark-skinned black women have been vilified, made to feel unattractive, told that they are unattractive, told that they are worthless. We have people in songs talking about lighties. We have light-skinned women in videos so that it gives the impression that that is the only thing of, of beauty that we see in our, in our color range. This man, didn't even go into any of that. He said, black men love and take care of your black women. And I, for one, was flabbergasted, but completely impressed. And he mm. has earned a place 
and respect in my heart. Trust me. Ever, forever, forever. Right. I'm like, look at this man. And he like, he even said like, my career might be over, over this, but it's like, he can see the bigger picture. It's like, it's fine. Like, you know, I don't care. I understand the bigger picture and the bigger thing because at the end of the day, career or not, like I said, Miss Candice, you're banging on about what my man might have done back in the day in terms of like, you know, committing a crime. If it was John there, do you think they would have cared or not whether or not he has a career, whether or not he's John Boyega, you know, the star of Attack at the Block and Star Wars and all of that. They just saw black. They don't care. And he understands that. Yeah. Yeah, where his peers should too. Okay, so let's choose mm. one more from Shady because I know we had a few, but it's just that we get known. Yeah, so positive. I'm gonna um, L'Oreal, definitely, because you lot. <laughs> so we obviously Shez and I were talking about brands and all of these brands starting to speak out the side of your neck about we support the cause and blah 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 what's interesting about um, L'Oreal is that they had hired um, trans activists trans women as well um, Mon- Monroe Ber- Bergdorf mm. and M- Monroe and she, I think she was the first black trans woman I believe to be signed to L'Oreal Um, as one of the faces Mm. and I think it was after the Charlottesville riots in America which saw white supremacists Mm. deciding to march because they were upset that people were trying to take down their war heroes who is really weird that they call them war heroes um, even though they should be called um, is it treasonous is that the word when you commit treason are you treasonous person is that right if you commit the act if you commit the act of treason I don't know. I don't know what the... Um... Anyway, so they're um, basically what they say, what the argument is, is the reason why they want to take down some of these monuments, particularly in the southern states, is that a lot of these generals that were um, um, leaders in the Civil War were firstly hugely racist, secondly they lost, you know, the southern states lost the war. So why are we celebrating them? Doesn't that make them, you know, part of the treason gang? <laughs> um, why they're there? And obviously white supremacists got really upset about it and decided to march in Charlottesville. Consequently, it got really violent. And uh, a lady called um, Heather Heyer um, actually lost her life as a result. So after this, Monroe was, you know, clearly very upset about this. And she decided to write a full post on Facebook in regards to white supremacy and how white people are inherently um, racist due to systemic racism because they've been brought up in a racist society. Yeah. Yeah. So she wrote a full article. It wasn't like a tweet of 140 characters. If people had bothered to actually read it, she actually fully explained what she meant. But obviously the press being the press, Twitter being Twitter, they just took little excerpts of it and they roasted her. People in particular like Piers Morgan, who was like, oh, how can you say this? Da, 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 which I'll get into it. Get on to him in a sec. The headline that they took was white people, all white people are racist or something. Like yeah. That. When, you know, she went on the show, she defended what she said. And she's like, I'm talking about systems of racism, systemic racism. I'm talking about how it affects black people and how white people, you know, it literally upholds them to a different standard 
to black people and other people of color. So, you know, inherently you're going to have racist ideas if these are the things that, you know, that we are being taught. People didn't want to upset, um, accept that. And where L'Oreal come into play is that they, they fired her off of the back of that. Of so, the campaign that she was doing along with others. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's so hilarious now because, you know, when we had Blackout Tuesday, they were one of the many brands who decided to post a black square on their um, Instagram page and on their Twitter site talking about because you're worth it or whatever the tagline was. They, it, they said we stand in solidarity and against yeah. Right. So this is what they did. And it's just absolutely laughable. And I hope that Munro gets her apology because she fully deserves it. Because I remember quite clearly how she was literally railroaded, hung out to dry. You know, there were so many talks about it. It was just an absolute firestorm. And um, she tweeted L'Oreal and said, you know, F you, basically. Um, I'm calling you out because when I needed your assistance, you didn't help me. In fact, you got rid of me. Um, you kept point, it. Not more to the point of needing your assistance. It's, you're yeah. talking about standing in solidarity with racism, but I spoke right. out in terms of racism and you fired mm-hmm. me for it. Right. But, yeah. What is this fakeness going on? And this goes back to what you're talking about of performative, performative allyship. How can mm-hmm. now all these years later suddenly you realize, oh yeah, racism bad. But when she specifically, as you said, wrote a whole article setting out her views on the subject, you just dropped her like that without mm-hmm. any discussion. And like you said, just hung her out to dry. Hung her out to dry. In shady corner. Absolutely. I hope she gets, and she deserves an apology from um, Piers Morgan. I, I, I doubt that she will get it from him because that one's trying to do a whole rebrand, I've noticed, because I watched him the other day and he actually said, you know, because I have white privilege. This is the same man that invited Lawrence Fox onto Good Morning Britain, agreeing with everything that that idiot had to say whilst on Newsnight, complaining about the fact that he's rich, white and male. Are you joking? Mm. Piers this is where we're at. My view is that Piers Morgan is trying to just get himself on the right side of history now. And he's yeah, trying it's like to it's do too late. brand on the back of all these current causes. But the funny thing is people are people seem to be falling for it. I see people, you know, applauding him. I, you know, I, I just, I can't bring nah. myself to do it because your view nah, is never to our liberty at a certain point of time. So... I'm, I can't bring myself to do it. I'm not, I'm not, uh, mm. I'm not on the peers. The thing is, those peers, he really set the, the tone for what has been going on in regards to um, how racism is being dealt with in this country. We're like, you know, he was going on about Meghan Markle for God knows how long. And God knows how long at one point. Say again, yeah, he has, he has such a platform, which is what makes him so dangerous. Yeah. So not now he's and then got, an about oh. turn that you want us to just be like, oh, we trust you. We, we oh, peers, peers, peers. Oh, yeah, he said this, he said that. I'm not here. Absolutely not. No, I'm sorry. It, like, public apology aside, you can, you can kiss my ass, mate. Like, you went hammer and tong on, on um, Munro and everybody else come to think of it. So... No, you're not going to do it now. Sorry, now that your eyes are open, do but Like, I'm sorry, just out of there. So, yeah, so that's my other um, shady corner. Um, Honourable mentions to Virgil Abla, Amy Cooper, <laughs> and all the 
Amy Cooper and all the Karens of the world, you lot can all do one. We, we ain't got time to get into them today, but I'm sure you guys have already heard, heard the story. Um, Shez, you want to finish off on You Are The Light? Definitely, definitely, definitely. I think how we'll finish is we're going to shout out people, specifically um, people from the UK um, and mm. other young, young men such as um, John Boyega. There's Sideman All Day, which I think we posted on our Instagram page. Um, mm -hmm. post that he did talking about current issues and so we encourage you to go and look at that on our page and who else would you say we should shine some light on today um tamika mallory who gave an amazing like amazing fire speech in regards to um george's um passing away did we mention it earlier on in the show about um, looting yeah i think we yeah, did yeah yeah we've got that on our page as well so if you want to hear what she has to say hear the speech you can go to our um, instagram page for that um george the poet <laughs> george cracked me up he was invited on to um news night and he was inter interviewed by emily Maitlis, and she asked him the question oh do you think you know the the uk has anything to do with um or we should get involved with um you went no that's not the question let me get it right i think I hello yeah sorry you cut you cut out i think you were saying it yeah um do you think the the uk has anything to do with the with racism in the us or rather is it as bad as what's what's that's going on in the us over over here in the uk so yeah. as she asked him the question shows you know when somebody says something and you have to literally close your eyes mm. and take a deep breath before you answer the question you mm. can literally see george doing that and it's like this is the daily exasperating things that we have to kind of keep saying yeah. like the answer is going to change it is not going to change it is the same i don't know which part of it you're not understanding but it was so funny because I, I was watching it i was like george i understand so yeah him and then ashley waters i really want to send him a lot of love and a lot of energy and just because i think people what i understand have been getting at him expecting him to say something in regards to George um, Floyd's murder. And the thing is, it's like not everybody should or can say anything. I think there are certain people that just don't have the, the skill set to articulate themselves. And if that is you, it's okay to be quiet because you'll probably end up saying something that is just so stupid, you know, you can't come back for it. There are other people, to my mind, like Ashley, who've been so traumatized in their life by, you know, police brutality. He actually told how, you know, at the age of 15, you know, certain white police officers left him for dead, left him for dead. This is the trauma that he's having to go through yeah. whilst people are in his said, mentions. I think, said, I think he said that he'd been attacked by a group of white males and what right. happened was that the police failed to act. There was no conviction that came from it. So yeah, so he did find it. He did find the whole thing triggering, and I think you're right. Yeah. Actually, there are a lot of us who, because of different experiences, and even just sometimes, because when you look at um, women like Sandra Bland, you can think to yourself, "That could be me." When you think of somebody um, like George Floyd, you think that could be my brother. When you think, yeah, of 
you know, when you hear of um, somebody on a deportation plane being taped up so that they choke, you think, wow, I know people that are currently, or I've heard of people that are currently being, because of the whole Windrush scandal, being um, deported to Jamaica. Right now. Mm-hmm. You know, an old woman like Cherry Gross back in the day being wrapped with, with, with um, some kind of adhesive tape to keep her, uh, um, uh, I don't even know, like bound when mm. police broke, burst into her house all those years ago. You think mm. that could be my grandma. So mm. these stories resonate deeply with us. People, and you're right, yeah. they can make people, they can trigger people. And we should stop, in fact, looking at people and saying, well, why haven't they posted this person I, I hear people even saying it oh why hasn't Oprah spoken out mm-hmm. like, let's be a bit more introspective what are mm-hmm. you doing aside from your post if you don't want to post don't post but really mm-hmm. what we need to get to is what are we going to do beyond any of these posts so don't worry exactly. about whether Ashadi's posted or not worry about mm. what you have done and what you can do moving forward because trust mm. me there's 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 a there's a there's a mood of we must get change right now. So let's yeah, yeah. To that. Let's work towards that rather than jumping in my man's mentions. Ah, how come you ain't said nothing? Da, 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 da. Right. Allow, allow it. Allow right. it. You know, right. yeah, there's even people talking about, oh, why has Kanye not said anything? I don't want Kanye to say you not a damn word. Because every time he opens his mouth, it goes to shit and to hell. So I'm glad he's quiet. This is the time for him to be quiet. I know that today he donated... Um, a certain amount of money cool that's your role Kanye donate what you can yeah because that I you know your words when you start speaking it all it does is give my man the orange idiot in you know your leader just kind of more kind of um what's the word I'm looking for more backbone if you like to to, to kind of address african americans -Americans love me they love yeah (laughs) so nah let him you stay quiet donate your money that's it everybody knows their role and that's it let's talk to actual people like let's talk to lawmakers let's talk to politicians that's who i want to hear from the people that can actually shift the change and break down structural racism your 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 celebrity ain't gonna do it it's just not One of the people, just to end the show, that I think we both would have loved to have heard from um, around this time, just because they always were so on point. Mm. They always um, just came with the realness and they um, were a wordsmith given what they do and we'll, you know, when we talk about this person, it will all become clear, but who I feel like would have really been echoing as well. John Boyega's message of, you know, black men, we need to take care of our black. Absolutely. Front and center. He never stopped with that message. Let me tell you. Yep. And that is, um, Ty, Mm -hmm. our friend, friend of the show, UK rapper, um, Ben Chijoke, who died, um, this year um having been hospitalized with the covid virus and we understand that he actually managed to beat that 
um, but then caught a secondary infection, having been moved to another ward in hospital and died. And man, that is such a big loss. It's such a big loss. Um, we've had Ty on our show before and um, yeah, he's just like one of the greats, like somebody who's just so real in and out somebody who says it like it is and somebody who is truly, um, you know, when you use the phrase about that life, sometimes yeah. you use it on as kind of like, you know, get it going kind of level, like funny <laughs> kind of level. But, you know, obviously when I want to say about Ty, when I say about that life, I mean because his words and his spirit actually really did sum up who he was mm. as a person right and I think that really came through on the show that um we had um with him and I think it definitely comes through in his music and I just feel like I'm even even my legs are just getting the tingle now it's like it's <laughs> such a massive massive loss isn't it Lord? just like we lost, just, yeah. we lost a voice we lost a voice absolutely like you know you mentioned earlier on with all of this going on Ty would definitely be front and center and it wouldn't even be surprising to anyone because this is somebody who's been consistent in his support and his love for the black community and just really calling out what needs to be called out and there isn't that many people particularly in his industry yeah would yeah vocalize you know yeah. the wrongdoings of the music industry in particular. They treat um, black artists. Um, even this week, I've heard like a range of stories in regards to the disgusting treatment of black artists. But we'll talk talk about that in another show. But you know, Ty, when I tell you that was the very definition of an ally and somebody who would support. Like there wasn't a time when we would call him to come on our show. He'd be like, cool, when do you need me to be there? What are we talking about? Blah, blah, blah. Because he, he knew that, you know, the things that we want to discuss are the things that he's interested in and the things that need to be discussed. As somebody that was very open to discussion and wanting to change certain things, even about himself, that he was like, you know, I want to learn more about, you know, black women and how they feel. So if I'm going to do that, let me be around people like Cheryl, like La and, you know, other women in his circle, I'm sure. And he would, you know, we debate back and forth. Like he'd ask questions, we'd ask questions. He would say things, we would say things. And we, it would just be like this really nice kind of open debate and dialogue that he is willing yeah. to do, which is kind of rare with a lot of men. Yep. You know? Yep. And Ty had that ability and I just always love him and respect him for it. And this is somebody who is so, I'm going to start crying, sorry, very sorely missed. Um, it's weird, like, obviously I live in Brixton, Ty lives in Brixton and there's like memorials around certain Brixton, around certain places in Brixton. And it just seems so surreal that during this time he's not here because I feel like his voice would have been heard a, a little bit more. Because yeah. I, do, I do know for a fact that Ty at times felt very unheard and very underappreciated. 
quite a lot of people, particularly in his industry. So I think the very least that we can do is make sure that people, black people across the diaspora, we need, this is a time where we need to really stand together because we've lost the soldier already. So we need to keep, keep pressure on the oppressors because we, we can't have our kids going through this shit. Mm. We can't have our kids going through this. So I say this through tears, like Ty, honestly, you are sorely missed and we need, we need to serve him well by doing better. You know what, what always um, reminds me, not what always reminds me, but what I've been thinking of um, when I read all the, um, when I read all the posts about him, and we talk about him and we remember him is that, um, you know, where they say that people always remember, people might forget what you said or something like that, but people always remember how you made them feel. And I think yeah. that, that um, what Ty definitely left behind is that wherever he went, he spread so much love that the mm. you see from all people you don't know, people you didn't know knew him, people that were so close to him, people that had met him once, all of them talk about the way he um, made them feel. And I think that that is, that as well as his music is definitely um, his true legacy because people always remember how you made yeah. them feel. Absolutely. So, on that note, we dedicate this show to Ty Ben Chijoke. Uh, rest in peace, my Ibo darling. Mm. <laughs> until we meet again. And La, until we see La. her again. We have been two girls. We've probably had two mics, but this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is Two Girls and a Mic, the podcast. And we will be back with you soon. Say bye. Yes. Adios, amigos. Bye. <laughs>